Hi, this is Elliot Fisherman, and uh, let's get back to part two of uh, MDCT at uh, 2008. So, we've spoken before about advantages of 64 slice CT, and I've always mentioned that the key three advantages are spatial resolution, temporal resolution, and the fact that we routinely generate isotropic data sets. When you look at spatial resolution, scanners are typically 4 millimeters or 0.4 millimeters or less. Typically 0.35 is what's quoted. And of course, spatial resolution is critical for many applications, but truly if you're going to look at a coronary vessel that's 3 or 4 millimeters, you need high spatial resolution. You also need temporal resolution, and again, temporal resolution affects everything we do, but particularly the heart. Typically, temporal resolution is in the 160 to 180 millisecond range, 83 milliseconds for dual source imaging. And of course, just some simple examples, if you want to see the patient's coronary arteries, in this case, the patient's right and left coronary arteries, you need both really good spatial resolution and really good temporal resolution. And you can see this very nicely on this 3D reconstruction when you're looking at the patient's right coronary artery and roaming through the heart with a sliding MIP. The importance of not having any artifacts which could uh, make it difficult to determine the presence of stenosis, the ability to use MIP type information, uh, nicely shown, roaming through the heart again, looking at the coronaries and chambers. Again, the detail is only possible when we have this optimal spatial and temporal resolution. Now, another important concept we've also addressed previously, but something that's a critical factor in everything we do is the ability to time the acquisition. And there are many ways of doing timing, but let me not focus at this point how we do the timing, except to focus on the importance of the timing. So for example, we look at this curve. We always mention how arterial phase imaging is now routinely easy to do, being able to target delivery of contrast with data acquisition. And so when you look at this case of a hepatoma, at 30 seconds we see this nice vascular mass involving the right portal vein and the patient's hepatic artery. And if you take that same set of images but go back 30 seconds later, the lesion quickly washes out. Hard to determine vascular involvement, hard to determine specifically the borders. And in fact, if you're trying to measure tumor size, you might get different measurements depending on when you look at the data. So one of the things we'll speak about, of course, is the detection of lesions as well as the definition of lesions. But also beyond that, this case also shows from the arterial phase imaging, it's very easy to define the fact that it's hepatic malignancy, as opposed to this case where you see homogeneous enhancement in the liver, a large mass, a central scar, there it is in a coronal display, but when you take that into a 3D display, we're able to see that large hepatic artery, this large feeding vessel, the very classic appearance for focal nodular hyperplasia. So not only lesion detection and definition of extent, but the ability to determine specifically what the lesion is. So in this case, you could think hemangioma, but you recognize the lesion's very vascular. It has rim enhancement, but also when you look, there's a halo. You don't get this halo in hemangioma. Uh, also, obviously, you don't get this type of enhancement in hemangioma. You typically get puddling, not this rim enhancement. And also, when you look carefully, you don't get the neovascularity. So again, the 3D mapping provides us many different signs to tell you this is a vascular metastasis. I guess theoretically it could be hepatoma, but it's surely not a benign process. So think about this case. Lesion detection, definition, 
but also determination specifically what the lesion is. That's what we can do at 64 slice. We talk about isotropic resolution, which means the X, Y, and Z axis are the same, which means we acquire in a single plane and can display in infinite planes. And we always make the point now with thousands of slices per study that when you think about new scanners, it's not just simply more slices and more detectors, but we got to think about information generated per study. And there's been several articles now really looking at this. You know, do you need to do more than axials? Do you need to do MPRs? Maybe the technologists just simply generate a bunch of coronals or sagittals, or maybe on certain applications, the techs can do some 3D imaging, or maybe you need to do it yourself, do it interactively, this interactive post-processing on a 3D workstation, on a thin client, or even a PAC system. Well, it's very critical that we do make this change of looking at things beyond the axial plane. Here was an article from last year. It's very likely in the near future that uh, that 3D mapping will become a routine method for review of all CT examinations. It's important to recognize that information on a CT scan is far more than what's available on axial imaging. And I've said this many times before, but more and more it's being proven to be true by many articles. We speak about this volume visualization, that visualization is the future of radiology. It's the future of all types of imaging. Scientific imaging really relies on visualization. It allows a deeper understanding of data under investigation. It allows us to take advantage of the human's powerful ability to visualize. It allows us to be able to perceive visually features which are hidden in the data set, but are needed for data exploration and analysis. It allows us to make better diagnosis. And I'd like to show that with two examples. One is where I ask you on this axial imaging what these dots are. You could scratch your head a lot, or you can go to the 3D reconstruction, which shows you is the adrenal vein. It looks like a little dot, one of many dots on a CT, but it's a structure. But on an axial image, it's a one millimeter structure. But when you take all those slices and put them together, you know, the single image is greater than the individual parts. The sum is greater than the individual parts. And the left adrenal vein, of course, is a landmark for doing laparoscopic surgery. So we routinely visualize that left adrenal vein on literally 100% of cases. We also speak about understanding and uh, being able to explain things. I show this case of an occluded shunt with collaterals and then ask you to explain the vascular map which you can sure do a whole lot better on a 3D display. And again, whether it's the muscles and vessels relationship or bone to vessels, again, it's simply changing the rendering. And you can see that again on this example. And as we interactively change the uh, going from bone to muscle, you see the multiple exostoses. But again, the power of visualization, not only having the entire data set, but looking at it in many different ways. You can see the, the uh, real value of visualization in this case. This patient has an outpouching off the ascending aorta. That's a pseudoaneurysm. There's blood around it. But look how much easier it is to see on a 3D map near the suture line. That's a beautiful example of a pseudoaneurysm. Very, very nicely defined. We could do all sorts of things with a data set. Even once you have the 3D, you can make it a lot better. You could use lighting models, which optimize visualization of smaller, less well-defined structures. And these lighting models are easy to use. It depends on your workstation, but you can accentuate things that you need to see. So for example, 
SVC syndrome, collaterals in the chest wall, look at the right antecubital fossa. You don't see a whole lot. But as I change the lighting model, look what happens. All of a sudden, there's an IV in the patient's arm. And here it is even better. And there's that line in the left supraclavicular zone. But it's seeing the information that you can't see. Again, it's always there. It's a matter of us seeing it. Or looking at this case of the coronary arteries branching diagonals off the LAD. And again, I'm just going to show it to you with several different lighting models, which allow us to accentuate the vascular map. We speak about the ability to look at tissue types. And I show this example looking at bone and vessels and then putting the patient's skin back on and showing you every single wrinkle that this patient might have. And again, it's simply that interactivity that provides us with all of the information regardless of the plane or perspective. And I do put these shades on, though uh, there was an article published recently that it's very hard to look at 3D images and recognize people, particularly if they have facial hair, just a, something to tell you. And again, in terms of visualization, whether it's opaque bone or transparent bone, the entire visualization process allows you to define what you're going to see. Are you going to see the teeth or the roots of the teeth? Are you going to see the foramen? Are you going to see the sinuses? Again, it's within the data set you make many of these decisions. And there have been recent articles. Here's a couple of quotes. Diagnostic confidence and accuracy of interpretation of volume, CD image, volume CT images have increased with improvements in post-processing techniques. And the authors go on to say as well that the evidence in the literature supports reporting of volume CT with thin images with the use of techniques like NPR, MIP, and volume rendering as additional tools to increase diagnostic confidence and sensitivity. That this volume CT reporting allows the radiologist to produce few images of the diagnosed pathology, but in the best orientation and with the best techniques that are appropriate for the referring clinicians. So, so much of what we do is in the, not only acquiring the information, but taking that information and delivering the information in a form that the referring docs are able to use. Now, in that realm, when you look at CT these days, one of the key things, of course, is development of software, this post-processing software. Whether it's bone editing, whether it's new segmentation, the vessel techniques, whether it's these new tools for doing coronary artery assessment or for cardiac assessment, whether it's vascular stent placement, whether it's tools that allow easier fly-throughs, whether it's CADs, computer-assisted detection, as a second reader for colonoscopy or lung nodule detection, quantification tools. These are all very important aspects of our workflow. And let's just pick one of them, which is automated editing of data sets. We need to remove data at times from the, from the original data set because it obscures critical information. Now, we've always done that. We've drawn by hand. You can do cut planes. But automatic segmentation really is an ideal thing to minimize user interaction and yet be very successful. Technique we've used, interactive watershed, uh, this allows or facilitates efficient interaction with, the, uh, with an interactive or intuitive segmentation refinement and automated uh, segmentation based on multiple and local regional image features from density to appearance to size to location. And there's a very good article coming out in the Journal of Digital Imaging by uh, Dave Heath and Pam Johnson and uh, Dr. Hahn basically showing how this technique works. But let me give you some examples. Here's a data set. We're doing a CTA. We don't want to see the bone. 
computer removes the bone. In this case, it wasn't perfect. It left some ribs. I can help the computer out, but look what it took away. But the key thing is what it didn't take away. It did not take away any of the critical vessels. Very, very important. And you can see how much easier it is to see the branch vessels. Or in this case, with a large venous malformation, the pelvis draining into IVC, it's much easier to take things away. Take the bone away, and now look how much easier it is to see the patient's drainage into the IVC. So definitely less is more. And the technique is better than you doing things by hand, because look at this example. You couldn't pull those uh, metacarpals and carpals out, but look how good the computer does it without removing things that it does not want you to remove. Or in this case of disarticulation of a pelvic fracture, look how nicely we can go in and basically be able to remove the bone to allow the surgeon to be able to look inside the acetabulum. So again, these are important clinical applications. And you can see I'm just roaming through a series of images showing you the different orientation once we remove the bone. And there have been a number of different articles. Again, here's another article that's part two of the article by Dr. Heath, really talking about uh, the information provided from surface viewing is valuable for both diagnosis and pre-surgical planning in the setting of arthropathy and fracture. Now, I don't want you to think computers are perfect because look at this case. It looks like a lesion or an occlusion of the anterior tibial artery, while in fact, what it is is the computer creating a lesion. When the bones were being removed, the computer grabbed a piece of vessel and uh, basically created this error. So again, the computer techniques are great, but you need to be very careful in looking at them uh, very, very carefully to make sure it does not introduce errors. This technique, look at the patient's graft in the uh, common and external iliac on the right. You could do very nice 3D mapping. You could remove the bony structures. You see the vessels, but you're not telling me anything about vessel patency. And so, for example, we now can, instead of looking at it in 3D, in that sense, have a center line go through the vessel. Now we're opening up the stent. And look how nicely you can see inside the stent, the stent is patent. So again, very important to be able to have these tools available to allow us to look at this type of information. Now, those are tools, and those tools do lead us into applications. So let me go through some of the key applications and things that we are talking about uh, as part of Cutting Edge CT. But before I do that, why don't we take a five-minute break, and then we'll come back. Thanks very much.